Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most tantalizing topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 143rd episode of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 536th edition overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 17th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Last Friday, the Indiana men's basketball Twitter account recognized Trace Jackson Davis as the season's first gold jersey recipient. Which begs the question, has an Indiana freshman ever had a more auspicious first week of practice? First, at Hoosier Hysteria, Trace won the dunk contest, and then the hearts of older IU fans everywhere by paying homage to the GOAT, Calvert Chaney. Then, during the scrimmage, Trace displayed his competitiveness, athleticism, and skill level by shaking off a Joey Brunk steal to dominate the next few minutes of action. And then he apparently proceeded to outproduce everyone in real practice, too, because, as you'll recall, the gold jersey is all about rewarding not just effort in practice, but the kind of quantifiable production that actually translates to games. So, while no one wants to heap too many expectations on the McDonald's All-American and reigning Mr. Basketball, and Trey surely is going to have his ups and downs once the games begin, if this first week is any indication he may be ready from day one to be a major contributor for this all-important third season in Archie Miller's tenure. And sure, you could argue that it would be a better sign if a senior like Devontae Green or Deron Davis had earned the gold jersey to set the tone for the season's first week, or maybe you hope to see point guard Rob Finnessy take the reins and earn it. But I'll remind you that all three guys were held out of Hoosier hysteria festivities due to minor injuries, so it's possible they simply didn't have the court time to compete with Trace's production. The reality is that regardless of who earned the first gold jersey, there would have been a way to spin it as a positive. It's what we do here with the banner moment. But as I've thought about it this week, I've come to the conclusion that other than Jerome Hunter earning the gold jersey because of what that obviously would have meant about his health, seeing Trace get it was the next best thing. He is certainly the most gifted athlete on Indiana's roster, and he is already one of the best overall basketball talents as well. On a team with a lot of good role players, Trace is one of the few guys with legitimate star potential. He may not get there this season, at least not consistently, but the way he opened his college career on the practice floor suggests that it might not be as far off as we may have thought. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Coach is off this week to attend his niece's volleyball game. Hopefully she minds her P's and Q's and doesn't indulge in any collar popping with Uncle Coach in attendance. I once kicked my kid out of a fourth grade game because he popped his collar. So harsh. To my left, he is the Kyle Shanahan of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most renowned and profane bracketologists. San Diego chicken I hammer the shit out of that. It's time to shut the down, folks. It's 858. Go yourself. Fantastic. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your G-rated Bottoms line on the last got a mouth on him, doesn't he? Tough to do. Anybody who knows me knows that's not, you're not really, you probably didn't have to look that hard to actually do, to actually find those. And and perhaps it's maybe more impressive how how rarely I actually get caught doing that during the show. So nevertheless, um, 
<laughs> Hard to recover from that, but you know, we, we do what we can. Um, Just say something profane. It's on brand now. I can't. I know. That's good. <laughs> gotta gotta really experiment with some things. Uh, now, so one one thing I've been doing uh, over the course of the last few weeks is uh, is getting ready for preseason bracketology, which everyone probably thinks is a complete waste of time, and, and to a certain extent, it probably is. Um, but in order to do that, a lot of times I'll go through and kind of look at various predictions, whether it's media day, other, other college basketball sites, uh, different things like that for, you know, kind of across different conferences. So I'm not going to talk about where IU, uh, has been, uh, has been picked because that doesn't really, uh, I think everybody's beat that into the ground. Wanted to talk a little bit about IU's non-conference opponents. I know you and Alex got some questions about that, um, in podcasts on the brink this week in the, in the mailbag show. And it really, I mean... It certainly presents a lot of chances for IU to rack up wins. I think everybody knows that. Um, limited chances, I would say, for marquee wins. And that was ultimately the, the genesis of one of the questions that you guys got around which games were most important. So as you look down this list, I'll kind of hit the, the few um, major conference teams. UConn currently kind of in the aggregate is picked sixth in the American. So I don't know that there's a whole lot there. I think that's a league that gets three, maybe four teams in. So if they end up sixth. You know, respectable middle of the pack, but not a you know not necessarily a great team. The two ACC teams I think are the the big ones in Florida State and Notre Dame. Those two are picked right next to each other. Uh, again, this is kind of aggregate rankings across um, different sites. Florida State six, Notre Dame seventh. Uh, I do think Notre Dame has a chance to be better than some of the uh, you know prognostications, and I will likely at this point have them in my field. I think Bray's a good enough coach. They've got uh, some talent. We're hit pretty hard by injuries last year. So those to me really feel like the two. And then Arkansas is the other major conference team is in aggregate about 11th in the SEC. So they're not really going to do much. And the other teams, nobody really picked higher than fourth. Uh, the two that are fourth right now are Louisiana Tech, fourth in Conference USA, and Princeton, fourth in the Ivy League. So good chances for IU to pick up and and really bolster their win total. Not a lot of great chances, so it really puts a lot of emphasis to me as we look forward to that on really those two ACC games and uh, to a lesser extent that that UConn neutral site game. And to my right, he is a senior writer at the Big Lead, a top name on Archie Miller's short list of shot doctors, and as you know, he is the most common target of my soundboard sneak attacks here on the assembly call. That is an absolute fact. So this week, I've decided to grant Ryan a reprieve from pulling out any embarrassing out-of-context sound drops. My beloved Los Angeles Chargers. Instead, in the interest of fairness and in response to popular demand, I've compiled a few silly drops of myself. So Ryan, this is for you. Randy, or uh, uh, Ryan. I can do what LeBron can do. That little turnaround jump shot he had. Snoop Dio double jizzle. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the losses go down. (laughs) My wife's laughing over here. (laughs) Fine. Ryan is perfect. Love you, buddy. See, I'm equal opportunity. Now, Ryan, please, what is your rant this week? My God, that was cringeworthy. Um, <laughs> I, I, nothing happened in, in Indiana basketball this week, really, other than what you mentioned, Trace winning the gold jersey, and I'm sure we'll get another announcement soon on, on a gold jersey. Um, I just would, in, in the absence of basketball news, I'd like to point everybody in the direction of the men's soccer team that is 8-1 with three ties this year. They have a huge match at Maryland tomorrow uh, on the Big Ten Network. Uh, it is 6.30 Eastern, I believe. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's FS2. So yeah, FS2. Know. They had to move it because of the ALCS and then Ohio yeah. State and then, yeah. That's right. So you can get it on uh, online, I believe, and if you have FS2, which I don't. Um, but they're playing Maryland, who's ranked number 25. Maryland knocked them out of the College Cup last year in the semifinals. So big game. Let's Revenge. support our boys. 
Uh, they're still on their quest for nine, and uh, they have they're really exciting and really young this year. Ton of young players. Um, I think Andy and I were talking before the uh, broadcast, and I remembered this, but they tied Kentucky zero zero. But uh, in the match, they had something like eight freshmen on the field at the same time in like a key situation. They're very young, very fun to watch. This should be this could be the season where they build towards maybe a championship team next year. So check them out. Uh, it's another Hoosier team doing really well. Um, until we get some basketball to uh, to break down and discuss, it's always uh, great supporting that soccer program. So that's my that's my rant of the week. Also, I had a question. Oh, I had boy. a question. The oh, AL uh, CS had to be moved because of a rainout yesterday, right? So they just backed everything up one day. Whatever happened to a doubleheader? Why couldn't they do games four and five today? What are we that soft? You can't do a doubleheader anymore. How fun would that have been? Get you get great- no money in broadcasting day games. I would guess that's I, I mean, all the advertising yeah, I, money. You're not I, you're not wrong. You're right. Yeah. No, the, how this is not necessarily a get off my lawn situation, but I think I'm sure that the money and all that had something to do with it to I'm be able sure. to spread that out over multiple days as opposed to just one. But how fun would that have been? Like back to back, like Granky and then either Verlander and Cole pitching in the same day. I mean, come on. Uh, so yeah, I I just my rant is I miss doubleheaders, man. Let's go back to having some doubleheaders. Those are fun. That's it. Yanking this back to Indiana sports, also on a quest for nine, but of a different sort. The football Hoosiers playing at Maryland. Uh, hey, some people are on the nine win Indiana bandwagon. I'm not. I don't <laughs> think they'll get quite that far. But a big game for the football Hoosiers if they can go get a, ro- a win on the road. So let's just drop go. Maryland like the Big Ten stepchildren that they are with a couple of wins this week. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I think this is yeah this is really the swing part of the schedule as to mm-hmm. you know what they can really do. So yeah, a win yeah. against them would be. Uh, a good step in the right direction heading into you know another the next couple games. Yep. All right. Well, this week we're going to run through a few Hoosier headlines. Then we will discuss our expectations for a talented but mercurial Hoosier who seems to be flying a bit under the radar this offseason. We're going to talk about him. And finally, we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, let's talk real quick about tickets. You know, you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets. And this isn't an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced, and then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the fastest, easiest way to find tickets. That's why I used it to buy tickets to the Zach Brown concert that my family and I are going to next weekend, taking our three-year-old daughter. That's going to be quite the adventure. Uh, But I've also seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of ticket sales come through using the assembly code, tickets to the Troy game, tickets to other uh, non-conference games. So jump on that bandwagon, go to SeatGeek, get your IU basketball tickets uh, for Big Ten games, for non-conference games. They are all on there. Get a brother, get some coupons. Of course you can. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code assembly for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code assembly for $10 off your first purchase. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's quickly go through some Hoosier headlines here. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but Matt Nover signed the alumni wall, which gives me you know, great pleasure because Matt Nover is on one of my favorite IU basketball teams of all time, and I can use this drop from Blue Chips. Give a kid a tractor? Give a kid a tractor. Yeah. 
got a tractor. That's why he went to Western, Ricky not Rowe. why he came to Indiana, just to be Ricky clear. Rowe, Ricky Rowe, man. Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe, the legend. But, you know, I think the Ricky Rowe thing overshadows how good of a player Matt Nover was. He's one yeah, of the most efficient offensive players that well, think about has had. Think Terrific about this. Player. In that movie, they got Shaq, they got Penny Hardaway, who were two of the biggest stars in basketball at that time. I mean, they were, like, young, but they were everyone knew who they were. And they got Matt Nover. He's forever going to be linked to those two other guys. That's that's pretty good. That's not. And he bad... was awesome in that movie. He was great. He made everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So he signed the alumni wall, which is great. Uh, kudos to the Indiana Athletic Department. An NCAA study released yesterday showed Indiana University students who participate in intercollegiate athletics continue to graduate at a record pace. The NCAA announced that IU scored a graduation success rate of ninety-one percent marking the eighth consecutive year that IU Athletics has either established a new record or matched its previous record. That is fantastic. Kudos to Fred Glass, to everybody in the athletic department for making academics a priority. This is not us being facetious at all. You know, We still think that that's important, uh, and it's great to see. I don't know where the basketball team fit into that, but it was nice to see the overall athletic department do such a good job. I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Where the I am sure we will. And I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a staff poll at The Athletic. They, were, they basically took a vote of the best court design. Coming in at number one, Ryan, your favorite arena, Simon Scott Assembly Hall, McCracken Court, the number one court design in America. Most people cited its simplicity, how classic it is. Uh, I've never had an issue with the court design. Not once. I know. Just FYI. But I agree. There are some ugly, trying too hard, garish, look ridiculous courts out there. Everything Oregon does every game. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you appreciate what we have. Uh Andy, any uh, any comments on those Hoosier headlines? No, this is uh, it. It feels Very like we, <laughs> yeah, it feels like we're. This feels like a mid July like scraping of the barrel to uh, to get headlines, and yet it, we're not that far off from actual games. So uh, I guess it's good that no there's drama. nothing. No, yeah, no no drama or anything to talk about. But uh, no, I thought the court design was good. I mean, it, it probably uh, there's a. You know, I think people continue to to associate great value with the tradition and uh, some of those things. I think the, you know, kind of simplistic court design is a part of that. So I, I don't know if it means anything to anybody, but IU fans is a point of pride, but uh, you know, kind of at least cool to see that. Cause yeah, some of these are just getting more and more insane. I think so, somebody was saying about whatever Memphis did to their new one is, is ridiculous. Gary Parrish had some good uh, comparisons about that. I think in one of the CBS podcasts. So fun story. I had a group of friends in college who in their uh, the house they were renting would manufacture beer pong tables and they would do whatever design you wanted on your beer pong table. And they but then they had standard a few standard ones that, you know, they knew how to do and they would just redo every time. And their most popular and the easiest to do was I use court. So it was a beer pong table in the shape of I use court. And that was their biggest seller. And, and you automatically was, shot better on that court. Of course you did. Of course. It was Indiana. Come of on. course. So, okay. One thing we can talk about really quickly, r- really quick. Every Indiana fan's favorite coach, John Calipari, uh, talked to I, I I don't know who this was, so I forgive me. I'm not sure who posted this on Twitter. Uh, but basically, it was a quote with Calipari talking about the series. He said a lot of stuff about how close he and Archie are. Archie's grandma raised his mom, like all this stuff. Preamble to say he offered Indiana two games in Indianapolis. Indiana said no. So he said, well, I did my job and we're not going to have the series. So essentially, Calipari holding firm uh, that he is both afraid and unwilling to come to Assembly Hall 
desperately wants to you know try and get some inroads into Indianapolis before Archie just owns it all uh, and so. and doesn't want to play home and home, which I think is ridiculous. Like I get that More it was a that, crazy court storm it. last time. Like I understand that. If if you're that scared about another court storm, which I'll say that was a very unique set of circumstances that I don't think would happen again as a once no. in a generation moment. But if you wanted to talk about some different security things for a court storm, fine. I have to think that everybody would be open to that. But it just seems like a ridiculous, lame excuse. Get the series going again. If you want to play it on campus and then two games in Indy and Louisville do a four-year rotation, fine. I'd be all for that. But the whole thing is ridiculous. We need to play, and he's the one holding it up. So... You know, Calipari. See, you could have ranted about that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know. I hadn't. I into, actually, until we prepped, I didn't know that he had said anything about the series. I knew he had. I had seen his comments about the draft and all that, but I hadn't seen that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a typical Calipari BS. Hey, I tried. No, you didn't. You know what they want. They're willing to get, make concessions to you to give you to get a game in Bloomington. I mean, it's it's silly. Yeah. I've, and I've actually come around on Calipari a little bit. Like I, I think he does make since some he's good won points. a national title, he's he's a different guy. He's a lot more relaxed and a lot yeah. less. You know, I think he makes some good points on the big picture of college basketball okay. and athlete welfare and all of that. But this was just disingenuous, stupid. Andy. Yeah, Andy, and I get you it. Know, you know, pylon. No, you guys are you guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'll I was probably saying, just say something profane. So I was just uh, say yeah, that. you really need to calm <laughs> yeah, down. It'd be so warranted. <laughs> Don't want to have to mark this explicit. Um, no, I, I, yeah, think, I can't bleep it live, Andy. So careful. I know what I would say is uh, about that situation is he's trying to do what's best for his program, which is not ever have to play in Bloomington. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with the court storm. It has nothing to do. He doesn't want another situation where he's on national television getting beaten in Bloomington at arrival. That's that's what he doesn't want to happen. And he knows that even if he has a better team than Indiana, you can lose at Assembly Hall. Pull out the sad violin for John exactly. Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. He's not willing to take his team in there. And Do what's best for college basketball and the fans, you coward. Exactly. Let's play some basketball. Good grief. Okay, you guys ready to go on to segment two? I yeah. think it's time. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about a guy who was everyone's breakout pick last offseason, but who isn't getting nearly as much hype this offseason. It's understandable why that is the case, but is it misguided? Is it a little bit myopic? We're going to talk about that. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the between-segment banner, like the 15-minute segment of ridiculousness that we just had <laughs> between between I blacked out what happens. <laughs> uh you should check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morse, uh here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And guys, 
Let's keep our player previews going, uh, and let's talk about Justin Smith, a guy that you know we haven't spent a lot of time talking about this offseason, certainly not as much as we did last offseason, when everybody was predicting a big breakout for him. And while you know some of his counting numbers did improve, a lot of his efficiency numbers went down, and I think it's fair to say that most everybody was disappointed by what we got out of Justin Smith last year on the whole. He certainly had some huge moments. Neither Michigan State win happens without him, and you saw the flashes. Um, but overall, just didn't really take that big step forward that we all hoped. So I want to start this segment out with a few player comps. And Ryan, I know that you hate player comps, but I think that there's actually a good reason. That for, is accurate. It is accurate. And I don't want people to take these the wrong way, but I'm doing them with a purpose and we'll get to it. So Ryan, pop quiz for you here. Do you know who the number one comp is for Justin Smith's sophomore season on Ken Palm? So if, and if you don't know Ken Palm, Indiana no. Player? National oh. player comp. So basically, Ken, Ken Palm does a, a player comp based on a player's size, all of his you know his statistical profile, who he compares the most to for that year. Oh, Julian Obi. Who's his number one? No. His number one player comp for his sophomore season is Juwan Morgan's sophomore season. Oh. The number two player comp is Brandon Dawson's sophomore season from Michigan State. Interesting, right? Do you know who the number three comp is for Justin Smith's freshman season? Clearly, I don't. Victor Oladipo's freshman season. Now... The reason why I say this is not to say that Justin Smith is going to be Victor Oladipo or that he's going to be Juwan Morgan. But Andy, what do both of those guys have in common in terms of the the trajectory of their careers at Indiana? Made a big jump going into their junior season. Both made a big jump going into their junior season. Now, again, I'm not predicting that. But what I'm saying is when you look at the profile that he has put together statistically, he is still on a track like that. And it's easy to get down on Justin and to see a lot of the bad, but this was a guy who was highly recruited, was a productive player in high school, has shown flashes. And so I say that to say, let's not give up on the guy quite yet, right? Now, on, on, on Crimson Cast this week, one more, on Crimson Cast this week, Chris uh, Williams from IU Artifacts and Galen, I thought, brought up a couple of comparisons to past Indiana players that were interesting. And th- this is kind of how I want to frame the discussion. They basically talked about how Justin's career tracked like early Charlie Miller the first couple of years and early Daryl Thomas. And Ryan, I know you hate it when I start reading out numbers, so I'm not going to read out the numbers. Go ahead. Read no, no, out. no, no, because I don't need to. But suffice it to say, the numbers that Justin put up his first couple of years, very comparable to what Charlie did his freshman and sophomore year and what Daryl Thomas did. All those guys, highly recruited, athletic guys, talented players. Charlie Miller as a junior basically stagnated and then really took a big step back as a senior. Never kind of became that next level player that people had hoped. Daryl Thomas went the other way. You know, he went from five points as a sophomore to 14 as a junior. Uh, you know, was still a little bit up and down that year, but then as a senior, 15, you know, 0.7 points per game, six boards, 53% shooting from the field, played 30 minutes a game, and as we all know, had probably the greatest assist in Indiana basketball history. And so the question for Justin Smith now as we enter his junior season is which way is his career going to go? Is his career going to go like a Charlie Miller, where it feels like a lot of unfulfilled potential and you know he kind of stagnates and doesn't take that next step? Or does he go the way of a Daryl Thomas, of a Jawan Morgan, of a Victor Oladipo? Maybe not to that level, but taking the next step and really being a productive player. And what got me thinking about this is, you know, last week, you know, I mentioned when you look at the Bart Torvik projections for Indiana this year, they really project a jump for Justin Smith. You know, to 73% of the minutes, 13 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, which would, again, track really closely with what Daryl Thomas did as a junior. And I basically said, you know, what well, doesn't that doesn't seem likely. And yet, maybe we are 
we have a little bit of you know recency bias with some of the struggles from Justin last year that we forget that a lot of guys, it takes until their junior year for it to click. Guys settle into their roles and they play a lot better. And so my question to both of you guys is, what path do you see his junior year and his career taking? Because this is a really important year for him, obviously. Do you you know see him going the Charlie Miller route? Do you see him going the other route? Andy, we'll start with you. I, those are those are interesting comparisons. The Charlie Miller stuff, I didn't realize how much he fell off a cliff in his senior season. Those numbers are pretty staggering. Yeah. Like regressed to even like lower than what was his freshman year. Yeah. Um I I think the challenge with Justin is trying to figure out positionally like what's going, you know, where where he really fits in in that regard from a lineup standpoint. I you kind of sit the yeah. Jerome Hunter piece aside if you think Justin is potentially a three. I think he's, you know, played the four pretty much exclusively a year ago and most guys in that kind of you'd, you'd call him a small ball four type guy can really step out and shoot and that was an area that he struggled with a lot save for the you know the Michigan State game at the end of the season and I think those are the things that you kind of project and look at this year that if you want to take the the pessimistic side of things like that's what it would be because I'm not sure that this team if Archie wants to play two big guys and Justin Smith becomes a third guy. I don't know how, unless he really significantly shoots the ball better than a year ago, then you've got kind of three non-shooters on the floor, which seems like a really tough way to play basketball. Um, now, that also assumes that Trace Jackson Davis is, is you know settles in and is the starter at the four, and you're playing a lot of Joey Runk and Durant. So maybe you see Justin slide back to some of the four, and maybe the shooting, you know, either the shoot if the shooting hasn't gotten better you're able to alleviate a little bit of that concern. I think the shooting is the part that gives me the most concern if it doesn't develop because it's 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 harder to figure out a place to play him uh at that point. But um but you look at the you know the Archie's talked about how much he's improved defensively, uh which I think is a way to earn minutes uh under Archie and for this team. And from an athleticism standpoint, you know, you really like what he can do if this team wants to be able to try to get out and and run a bit more uh, he's a guy that can excel in that part of the game. So I, I know that's not really answering your question. I think it, I think the shooting is the you know kind of swing skill that will determine which of those paths he goes down. And without really being able to see him to see if that's made some significant improvement, it is a little bit of a tough question to answer. I mean, it's a really good point about the fit on this year's roster because it's really hard to start piecing lineups together when you're going to have two of those big guys out there. If Justin's playing the three, you're right. I mean, you basically only have two shooters unless he really develops that. And you know, and I talked to some people this week, kind of in prep for this, and I think there are some reasons to think that he can be better and more comfortable offensively than he was last year. I think it was hard for a lot of guys always having to play off Romeo and Juwan, you know, maybe not having, you know, the confidence from the coaching staff to, you know, take shots that they wanted to take like some other guys did, you know. I think he also had, you know, some injury issues at the end of the year, so I think with a with a different comfort level, a different chemistry, and if he can settle into a role, that Ryan is where I I see and still believe in the potential why I'm really bullish on Devontae this year is because I think he's got a clearly defined role that he'll settle into. I don't see the clear role for Justin Smith yet because we just don't know how well he's going to shoot. And it's hard to piece those lineups together without knowing that. Well, let's think about this. What are the three things that Justin Smith has struggled with during his time at Indiana? One shooting, two turnovers, turnovers and three being mentally in the game. How many times has he just gotten beaten by somebody who was mentally tougher than him? 
if you fix one of those three things, you likely fix the other two. The, the mental toughness aspect of it, you're not going to turn the ball over if you have an idea what you're doing. Half of turnovers are just not knowing where to go with the ball, not knowing what you're doing, or being careless with it. That's, you know, I don't mind a charging turnover uh, for the most part. There are some where it's just like you had no room and you ran into somebody. Like, you know, but for the most part, I don't mind a charging turnover. I don't mind a shot clock violation every now and then if you're, you know, really looking for a better shot and there is no good shot. That happens. Uh, I mind just giving the ball away to another person, especially live ball or throwing it out of bounds when there's a clearly wide open person next to you, you know, things like that. And Justin's had a lot of those. He's had a lot of careless turnovers. If you shut that off, if you just get mentally tougher and, you know, have confidence in yourself and know what you're supposed to be doing out on the floor, you get rid of those turnovers. And if you're more confident in yourself, the shot will work. You know why he made all those three-pointers against Michigan State and that Michigan State game we were at? He shot confidently. Just stepped up and shot him. Just stepped up and shot. It wasn't a last-second kind of, okay, I'm going to shoot this. He caught it knowing he was going to shoot and shot. We were down 16 nothing. It's not like no one had anything to lose at that point. I mean, that is a fair enough point. (laughs) It really is. But you don't make three three three-pointers against a really good defensive team unless you're confident in your shot. And um, so I think that that if he can just shut off the mental mistakes and be focused and be intense and be, you know, want the ball and want to go up and get rebounds and want to defend and want to be, look like he wants to be on the floor as opposed to just drifting through games, relying on his athleticism, that fixes a lot of what is wrong with his game. And, and, you know, maybe it doesn't get the shooting to where you want it to be, but at least if you've got an engaged guy playing defense, not turning the ball over with his athleticism, he can be an asset. And then you do all that. You develop the shooting, you develop, maybe you just start throwing alley-oops to the guy. Maybe you just have him start cutting back door. Things like that will get you offensive confidence. And the shooting comes from that. Um, I, I think that his shot last year was a little, he'd jump and then start his shot as opposed to making it all one motion. We talked about it endlessly that he just kind of jumped. And then it was almost like, wait, 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 fire as he's starting to fall down on his jump. I mean, so there's a big hitch in it. His mechanics have been all over the place. It's, it's, yeah. and I think he's like tried to change some of his shot mechanics and done some of that stuff. You know, he may just a shot should look like one. With. A shot should look like one fluid motion, not like two separate jump shoot. It should all be one. Um, but I mean, you got to remember that last year, here's a guy who in, you know, went from, I'll just list it off. Iowa, six points, Ohio state, eight points, then Minnesota two, Purdue two, Iowa. You only played six minutes and got two, but then all of a sudden in a two overtime win against Wisconsin, 12 points, beat Michigan state, 24, beat Illinois, 15. It felt like something was building there. And then they played Rutgers and he played 22 minutes, but he only had five points. Uh, played Ohio State, didn't have any in 15 minutes and missed five shots and two three-pointers. I mean, it, it just was as soon as you started to see some progress, it was right back to the inconsistency. I want to see Justin succeed. I think he's so athletic. I think he'd be such a weapon for this team on both ends of the floor. You just want to start seeing that consistency and that mental toughness that we haven't seen from him consistently in his career. Yeah, and it's it's not a basketball IQ issue because he's a really smart guy. He's like a, a smart renaissance player. player. He's a smart yeah, person. It's just, like you said, it's the intensity and it's the kind of being locked in. And again, this is well, where... And it's transferring all that stuff that's going on, to his head, in, on in his head onto the court. I mean, there's yes. a disconnect. And understanding what his role is and what... It reminds, 
it honestly, it reminds me of really smart coaches or ba- really smart basketball guys who can't get their team to play up to the level of what they're telling them. You know, there's a disconnect in taking it from your brain to, to getting the team to play that way. And there's a that lot of is how you're a champion. I'm not even referring to him, but go ahead. Uh, but no, I mean, there's Man. a lot of really intelligent. Like, it's the reason why there are so many good basketball TV analysts who used to be coaches and are now only only analysts because they're really smart with basketball. They just don't know how to get that out of other people. And that's fine. That's just a skill yeah. that some people have and some people don't. Uh, it doesn't make them any less smart about basketball. So it's but it's the same. It reminds me of that same thing is Justin has all of this inside him you know, all of this ability and, and, and skill and everything. It's about getting it out and and putting it on the floor, which he hasn't done consistently. And all of this to say, this is why don't write this guy off yet. You know, there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of ability there. If he can find that fit, you know, and, and we spend a whole lot of time talking about his offense and rightfully so. I mean, he's got to find that fit offensively, but let's remember this guy can be an outstanding defensive player. And, you know, now that his third year in the pack line, he can be, you know, when he's locked in, he's a really good help defender. He's versatile. He can take on, you know, the challenges of guarding another team's, you know, really good wing player. Um, You know, so that part of it, if he stays locked in on the defensive end of the floor, Archie is going to want to keep him out there because he's going to be one of the best defensive players. And that is so important to Archie. So it's, you know, it's just, and I think at times, Andy, you know, agree or disagree with this, but but I think at times his offensive struggles really, and we saw this with Devontae too, I think, really seeped into the other end of the floor, where it's like when he was struggling offensively, he also seemed to not quite be the same guy on defense, not quite be the same guy crashing the glass, you know, and, and for him, all of those things are so important because if you're not going to be a shooter, you know, you've got to be able to create offense with energy, either in transition, offensive rebounds, cutting, and so he, you know, he can't let that just diminishes energy on that end and on the defensive end because he loses what makes him special. Can make yeah, him special. Yeah, I think the, I think defense and rebounding become really important. I mean, his offensive rebounding numbers, uh, as a you know from a rate standpoint, have been uh, good over his first couple of seasons. I mean, in in conference only games, he ranked 17th in offensive rebounding percentage. That's that was even last year. So it's I feel like we've said this a lot of you. Know, what a guy can can a guy understand what he's doing when he's playing well and, and kind of why that's translating. And I think if Justin's able to come out, I think it's kind of a, a re- hitting the reset button on expectations, but not throwing him away as I think some people are um, inclined to do. And, and maybe what I said before about his you know shooting struggles, maybe made it sound like that's what I was doing. But I think it's, if I think about heading into last season, we were like, this guy's definitely going to average in double figures and how, you know, how high can he go? He played so well at the end of the, you know, the prior season, and all those kinds of things. And maybe that, you know, that guy's still in there that can do that. But maybe to reset expectations for him for this year as to be, hey, here's a guy who needs to go out and grab five rebounds a game, maybe score you six to seven, you know, six, seven, eight points, um, some of those on putbacks, whatever, and be a really good defender when he's out there. And for maybe less time than you would think he would play. Maybe he's a 20-minute-a-game guy. I don't know what the, you know, I don't know how all that, that shakes out. But if you get a good 20 minutes out of a guy like him, it really helps the the team. And I think maybe it's resetting those. And and if he exceeds that, then you're pleasantly surprised. And I, I don't think anybody would sit here and having watched the, you know, the high points of his career, you know, through two years and say exceeding those expectations is something he cannot do. 
Um, but I also think it's one where, you know, maybe it was, you know, too much, too fast from a fan perspective to say, Hey, this guy's going to be able to take this step. But I think what Ryan said, just in terms of the, you know, kind of focus and for however many minutes he's in there, uh, even if his minutes get scaled back, I think he can still be a, a positive contributor. And if he shows up and, and has really improved his shooting ability, then I think that unlocks a whole bunch of other things for this team in terms of lineups and for him in terms of playing time. Um, and his versatility from a defensive perspective is, is something that you would be really happy to have. So, yeah. uh, you know, for me, it's, it's a little bit of you know, taking a step back and saying, all right, now we have a, you know, the, the first year was one piece of the puzzle. The second year is another based on what we know about this guy. Now, what are realistic expectations now? And I don't know, you know, maybe realistic expectations are a lot different than they were heading into season three than season two. But, um, I, I, in some ways I struggled to think that this team exceeds expectations without some consistent contribution from him. Yeah. You know, and the other variable here is, you know, the relationship with the coach, how much is he on the same page with his coach? And I think back to last off season and Archie made a really interesting comment about, you know, how having gotten to know Justin through his first season, realizing what a smart player he is, what a high, what a cerebral player he is. I remember him talking about that and how it was going to help him be able to coach him a little bit better. And I think it, it didn't, you know, look, that team, almost nothing looked on the same page at times last season, but you never really felt, especially with, you know, with Archie and with Justin Smith, that they really got on the same page. I think you felt the same way with Devontae until the end of the season. And now in the offseason, you've heard Archie talk a lot about Devontae, and it feels like he really believes in him. And it, that feels like a player and a coach relationship that are really on the same page. In the extremely limited view that we get, I haven't gotten any sense of that this offseason. Like there haven't been a lot of quotes or anything like that. And that may mean absolutely nothing, but I do think it's important. I think when you have a high IQ, think it through cerebral player like that, that kind of guy is going to need to be on the same page with his coach, understand the why behind the schemes and all of those things to really buy in. And so maybe there's something there that can be unlocked in a third season. And with those guys seeing more eye to eye, you know, I, I don't know. Those are some of the things that we can never really know. It, it always ends up kind of being speculation, but you know, we've talked a lot about that with Devante. So I think it's at least fair to talk about with Justin that I think that would be important. And, and Ryan, maybe that's the kind of thing that, you know, is, is another variable there that can help do the things that, that you talked about with unlocking that mental side of the game for him. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just what the only thing keeping Justin Smith from being a great basketball player is Justin Smith. I mean, and, and you could say that about, you know, that's not a knock on him. You can say that about a lot of people. Um, but he certainly has every tool that you'd want to, to succeed. And he just has to get there. And, and whether it's having an off season, like Al Durham, never leaving the gym kind of thing, or if it's just, you know, maybe meditating before a game and getting all the voices out of his head. I don't know. I'm not, and I'm not even joking there. I'm being serious. There's gotta be something that he can do uh, because it's certainly sad to see a guy who has, you know, every skill you could possibly want and, and every athletic advantage you could possibly want and, and had to see him struggle, especially because, you know, I, you could use a guy like that and could have used a guy like that last year. Could have used a guy like that his freshman year. It's just about getting to a place where he's comfortable. Yep. Okay. Coming up here in our third and final segment, we're going to answer your questions, including one about how much we expect Indiana's defense to improve this season and another about which IU road game would make for the best road trip. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Talk about all that next.
Carson Edwards here, and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford, I'm still never going to listen to the Assembly Call. But go Celtics. Thank you, Carson. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Alan, Norris here with Ryan, Ryan Alan Phillips. Fiverson. Alan Fiverson. By the way, I think Carson Edwards just made another three. So go, go on about your business. Uh, remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for our mailbag. All the questions submitted in our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community. We had like seven new people sign up. Uh, everybody's getting signed up, ready for the season. So go to assemblycall.com slash community if you're interested in learning more. Gentlemen, Jeff is back. He asked us last week, I think it was him that asked us last week, who our prediction is for the next gold jersey. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis won the first one. Anybody want to wager a guess at who might win the next one? Uh, none of us picked him last week, did we? Uh-uh. No, I don't even think we mentioned him. because we. No. I picked Devontae last week. I'm going to stick with it. until I'm, I'm going to stick with it until I'm right. Hopefully he's Al- back practicing fully. Hopefully those nagging injuries are... I'm going with Aljamy Durham. Aljamy Durham is a good... That's a good pick. I'm going with Jerome Hunter. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think we may see a lot of Jerome Hunter, Trace Jackson Davis. I think I picked Joey... This season. I think I picked Joey Bronk last week and immediately regretted that decision. (laughs) Yeah, you got to remember, man, this is... uh, It's it's quantifiable. This is, you know, objective I thought it was just like who had the best week of practice. I didn't... You know, it is, but they like... They track everything. Right. See, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I realized that. I, it's you know, it's, it was my it was my first week of practice too. So I had forgotten. Yeah, we only mentioned it a few times over the last couple of years. On this yeah, show. I mean, I knew it back then. I just didn't remember it this time. <laughs> uh, okay, this is from KC, one of the new members of our community. He is interested to hear our thoughts on year three of the pack line defense. What to expect from Joey Bronk on the defensive end? Season predictions for the Ken Palm adjusted deficient defensive efficiency rating. So he kind of wants us to play the off season hits here because we've <laughs> we've touched on these at times. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to uh, Ryan. Why don't you go first? Year three in the pack line defense. I think it will be much better. I think that that is what we have seen in history from team. I'm parroting Jared here. What we have seen in history from teams exactly. that run the pack line is just that uncanny by, impression. That's really good. Three, <laughs> but third year is usually the best in the pack line. And it also helps the offense because the defense, they don't focus as much on defense. The defense is more natural. The offense uh, tends to tick up. I feel like you have not. You're not taking my pack line defense research seriously. No, I just think that you've repeated. This isn't a knock. It's the fact that you've repeated it so much over the past like eight months. That, but Casey's new to the community. I'm trying to talk it into existence. All right, the more we talk about it, the more it'll happen. Uh, Joey, okay, Joey Brock on the defensive end is an interesting one, Andy, because again, you look at the metrics; they're not very good. You kind of talk to people that watched him play at Butler. He's not a guy who has been a big rebounder. You know, I I am interested to see, you know, with more physical development, you know, some more maturity, maybe being more comfortable in his role at Indiana, how he is defensively. But I will say my expectations are low. What do you think? For him defensively? Defensively, yes. Yeah, offensively, he's got a ton of skills. Yeah, I think I think defensively, maybe maybe to a lesser extent than um than Duran, but the the question is what happens when he gets put in a ball screen on the perimeter? Can he move laterally well enough to you know cut off driving lanes and and play the coverages that that the team is trying to uh, you know trying to put in place? So that's that's kind of the question for me. I think he'll be maybe better than what he showed at Butler, but 
Um, and, and I do think yeah. the, the strength, you know, him winning the, you know, off season conditioning, um, and, you know, kind of weight related stuff, I think will help him as a rebounder. And I think he'll have a pretty clearly defined role, um, as a, as a five man on the team. So I think that helps. It's really just the the quickness component and if they start, you know, putting him in a bunch of ball screens. Can he work through that and contain people well enough to, uh, you know, hold his own. All right. Season predictions for adjusted efficiency rating, Ryan, do you think Indiana can be a top 20 defense? Cause they were yes. 30, 30 something last year. 30, yeah. 30, I think 30, 32 is what 32. the final one was. I, I, it up now. I think they'll be top 20 this year. I think they got a chance, man. There, I mean, there between, are. I there would are say pieces. like between fifteen and twenty-five is where yeah. they'll fall. There, there are some pieces there. Okay. On that note, let's get to this question, which comes to us from Lee: Is Race Thompson being overlooked by most of the fans? Because yes. that is a guy who can have a big defensive impact if he's healthy, if he's ready to go. And Ryan, we know you're. I mean, you really are the president of the Race Thompson fan club. You need. To I wouldn't go that far, but I, 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 I want to see what he can do healthy. I mean, I, I like. I, I look. I would jump on to the fan club thing but we just haven't seen enough of him we really haven't and and i want to see more of him but the, the ethan hap defense is like the jeremiah april turnaround jump shot i mean it's yeah. like it's like the one the one shining moment you know but Wait, i think it there's more than oh the defense on ethan yeah, the defense on ethan hap it's like ethan hap doesn't play for indiana jared just because you buy cameos from him doesn't mean that <laughs> no uh, but i mean no. but that showed what he's capable yeah. of you know he is and you know you got to remember he is you know a guy who was very highly recruited and, and was yeah. a very good player and opted to take a, to, you know, graduate a year early so he could go in and get his strength and conditioning up to par and all that stuff. And and so there is a lot to like about that. He just missed the entire season with a concussion pretty much. I mean, not obviously the entire year, but a yeah. huge chunk of it. It changed his season. So I want to see what a healthy locked in race Thompson can do. All right, uh, let's go to this. This question wins the subpar question award of the week. This comes to us from Jay. Uh, he okay. says, I like, to, I like to travel to watch IU play road Big Ten games and try to hit at least one a year, even though I haven't seen IU win a game away from Assembly Hall since the Big Ten tournament game when Verdell blew out his knee. Got everything oh, about that sentence. It's just so Really depressing. had to add that Jeez, part? I shouldn't have read Jay, that. Hey, don't Sorry. go on the road anymore. Yeah, <laughs> this seems like a series of signs that you should stop doing this, but I mean, yeah. you can, right, okay. Uh, okay, so anyways, he says there are some good opportunities to watch IU play on the road this year. Which one of these games would make the best weekend trip? IU at Wisconsin, Saturday, December 7th. IU at Maryland, Saturday, January 4th. IU at Nebraska, Saturday, January 18th. IU at Ohio State on February 1st. IU at Michigan on February 16th. IU at Illinois on March 1st. All those games, obviously, on the weekend. And Andy, all of them will be very cold. Yes. Yes, they will, uh, says the San Diegan. Um, yes. Brian or Andy, which one of those games would you pick for a bottoms family adventure? Well, the most Indiana the, play, the most winnable seems to be the Nebraska game. Yeah, it depends um, what's important. Is winning the most important factor here, or I would have, say I to break the, the streak that he's described here would seem to be. I, I have heard good things about Nebraska's facility. I think for an actual like weekend game, game environment, a fun like town. I spent a weekend there once. There's some stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, okay <laughs> wow okay I, mean, I haven't been there i have no real opinion on it I, you you're fine so i'm willing, my, to, take your, nebraska. To, I'm willing to take your word for it uh you have a to drive through nebraska skip it it's yeah. i went with i went with somebody fun let's just put it that okay. way so maybe the go. company was better than the city yeah i don't know i uh, michigan would be an interesting one i think potentially because i don't know what that team's going to be but it might be along the lines of cool city to go to potentially winnable game um 
I, I don't know. I don't have. I don't have a great. Uh, I don't have a great thought. W- going, the idea of going to the Kohl Center in December sounds terrible, though. So no. I would probably pass on that. No, Jay is due. The law of averages, and you've got to be there when we break the streak against Wisconsin. Go well, to the Kohl Center. Here's the thing Jay. about Wisconsin too. If you're looking at, if you're looking for the best weekend experience, Madison is the town in the Big Ten other than Bloomington that everybody loves. So if you're looking for a good weekend, Madison might be the town to go to. Madison is a cool town. Yeah, I haven't been. I, it's funny. I lived in Milwaukee. I never went to Madison. Uh, um, it, it was too cold to drive anywhere. Um, <laughs> just, just getting the, the tires rolling is its own thing. Um, I, my alcohol consumption is moving away from Milwaukee has dropped precipitously, dramatically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say Michigan. And if you're worried about winning the game, Nebraska, uh, or if you want the best possible weekend, like you want to have fun, uh, I think Madison is supposed to be one of the better towns, better college towns in America. Yeah, I'm <laughs> voting for that Wisconsin game. I say let's be bold. Let's go up there and break that streak. Because and if sick they lose, it's tired early the- of losing to Wisconsin. And if if they do fall short, you can say it's early in the season; they'll bounce back. Blah blah. You don't feel as bad about it. If they lose to Illinois on March 1st. You're yeah. going to be struggling on the way home. And you don't have to feel bad about your streak continuing because we've lost to Wisconsin every year since or at Wisconsin every year since who knows how long. I don't even want to know how long that's been. Um, really quick, Andy, we got about 20 seconds left from Brandon. What's more likely Indiana football wins six games or Indiana basketball starts eight? No. Oh, boy. This would require me to have the schedule, which is pretty. What's uh, the what's the opener? Western Illinois? Yeah, I'm going to say IU. I'm going to say IU. The seven games in November are the easy ones. And then the Florida State game yeah. is the first yeah. November one. I'll say football getting six wins. Okay, that's it. We're done. No more questions. All right, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back uh, to talk IU basketball again with you next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. I am going to have to hop off here. I'm getting text messages. Apparently that screaming was not. Okay. Not adoring fans <laughs> assembling think, outside of your home. I think I'm I think I'm being summoned. I got no, I got I my allotted time for the evening to uh, talk with my internet friends about basketball. Now yeah. I need to go <laughs> internet friends. Nice. <laughs> we did take like a half hour to talk about <laughs> John Calipari. So, well, yeah, we did we have did. to get the obligatory injury update from Ryan. I mean, that was you know we did that was necessary. You played the music, man. I was playing along with it. All right, don't don't do it. Why are you doing I that? Know, I'm not, okay, so no, I'm just going to start filling okay. the time again. I was just going to start doing it again. <laughs> All right, take care <laughs> of your family. All right, All right. I'm All right. take care of my family. Okay. All right, see you see guys. See everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger—they're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery: the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. 
Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. 